Happy Wednesday night, everyone. This is the Pandemic Proof Singer Series. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker. I'm a singer, a vocal coach. I'm a lead singer with the Mighty Untouchables Band. I am also the recent host and producer of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit. We had one in November. We have another one coming up in May. Um, it's a free three-day virtual event for singers who are ready to break out of the starving artist mentality and learn what it takes to make a great living, build a lifelong career, and stay relevant as a musician. And um, registration hasn't opened yet, but if you want to get on the waiting list, you can just go to The Singer Summit, and you'll be the first to know when registration opens. It's opening on April 28th, but get on the list and we'll, we'll automatically pop you in there. Uh, now on to our show, the Pandemic Proof Singer Series. It's a weekly interview series um, about singers, for singers and musicians. Uh, we talk about moving forward in the midst of the pandemic and this industry shutdown. Um, it's about community and lifting one another up and inspiring one another uh, and just talking about doing the hard things that we've had to do and um, enjoying a laugh or two. But let me introduce my guest tonight. He's so, so great. I know we're going to have a great conversation. I'm wondering if I'm going to giggle through the whole thing, but that's okay. That's okay. I have Jeff Berkeley with me. He has been called a San Diego legend, and it's easy to understand why. His musical contributions include his work in current bands Berkeley Heart and Berkeley Heart Celis Twang, as well as previous bands like The Cry, The Redwoods, and Citizen Band. He is also known for his work with many musicians he has produced in studios around the world, including his own. He's an amazing guitarist and percussionist with multiple acts. He's a great, great guy. Let me bring him right on. Hello. Oh my God, we did it. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome, thank you for having me on the show. And uh, it's so cool. I, I I see myself on the set of the of the show and I feel like I'm fine, finally a star <laughs> because I keep yeah. seeing your show all the time and I love listening to the conversations and, and uh, this is so great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm excited because you and I have had the opportunity to work together a couple of times. We've been on a couple of shows together and I enjoy you so much. You're so funny and fun to be around yeah. and incredibly talented. I love listening to you. And so I'm excited for us to have a little chat tonight. Well, I feel the same. I mean, amazing vocalist. We had, we've had a couple really fun shows for sure. Yeah. One in the middle of the pandemic that was right. That's right. Crazy, yeah. but we 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 were safe and nobody got sick. Yeah, <laughs> so that's and it really it was a highlight because I think it it was in it was that happened during a time when things were just super dull. You know, <laughs> yeah. we, were, we had been in it for so long and yeah. there really wasn't quite light at the end of the tunnel at that point. No, so, we were all just sort of floating in this weird sort of limbo mm -hmm. thinking that there was a really solid chance that we might not get to play live gigs in the same way again ever. I mean, I mean, even now there's some question as to what exactly the future looks like. And it's it's yeah. a weird it's Super a weird, weird thing that's sort of a <laughs> the universe saying okay let's all just slow down yeah. for a second and think about ourselves and our our innermost feelings and fears 
and learn to uh, <laughs> either live with them or fix them. It's been this sort of amazing time of inner sort of searching and figuring ourselves out. You just didn't have a choice. You, you, our brains had us right where they wanted us, <laughs> you exactly. know, so we've all, we've all had this time of, of soul searching and, and, you know, in the beginning of it, if you were a musician and there was ever any question as to whether or not you wanted to do that as your career, mm -hmm. the beginning of this pandemic was a good way to, to really decide yes. Yes. whether you were yeah. in it or not, you know, and yeah. um, that's always a good thing to, to check out, but it, it's been an amazing time and it did get boring for a while, but man, it also was great to have some time to, to just, you know, play guitar and write songs and not think about much else for a while. That was pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of good things came out of it. Um, well, tell me what you were up to, uh, before things hit, where, where were you at in your career? What were you doing and, and how did the, uh, transition into this season work out for you uh well you know before COVID hit i was making lots of records uh and and having a blast doing that i love working with artists to get their records materialized whatever their their vision is and kind of crawl inside that music and get to know it and help them produce a thing you know uh and I've been really lucky to be able to do that. And actually that was a pretty, because of the nature of the studio that I work out of, um, it has, it's in the middle of an orchard and has open doors and, and it's mm -hmm. lots of isolation. And it's very safe. So I was able to actually keep working out of the studio. And um, over this past year, so much has happened politically uh, centered around COVID and not COVID. Mm -hmm. And so many people were inspired to record over <laughs> this whole pandemic that we were able to kind of keep production going on a lot of things. But of course the live stuff slowed down and I was playing on the road a lot with Tim Flannery and Berkeley Hart and doing solo stuff and things were building. And we just had uh, a, a relationship startup with a, a small record label called Pacific records. That's based here in San Diego and Southern California. And so things slowly you know, kind of shut down in, in all those ways. And the last show we did was on March 7th, which was my 50th birthday. Oh, wow. And it was our last show. And it was beautiful. It was really fun with, uh, with Tim Flannery and his band. And my brother was there. And, um, you know, it, it just was a great show. And, and uh, then we were done. We were gone. <laughs> we were gone. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really seen those folks much for a year, but we're starting to book shows again now. But that's what I was doing. I was playing lots of shows with a few different bands and writing lots of songs and recording lots of records. And and most of that shut down. Yeah. Yeah. I know about that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that you didn't have to miss your birthday. That's a huge milestone to. Oh, to man. <laughs> I really lucked out. Actually, I. Um, there was this huge party planned that was amazing and and it it was canceled due to covid and people had like learned my songs and we're going to do this they're going to shut down a bar and do this huge amazing party which i was overjoyed about but also just you know those kinds of situations are you know nobody necessarily likes to be the the one whose birthday it is and it, it it's just crazy <laughs> to be on the spot like that sometimes even as performers like it's weird <laughs> i you would not believe it, but I kind of don't. I, 
And so not in that way, you know, but, but at the same time, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that it's, it's one of those things, you know, with, like when you're at a restaurant and they all come sing that re- the birthday song oh, to yeah. you, mm-hmm. it's a little bit like humiliating and embarrassing at the same time that it's really, really cool. Yeah. But that, that got canceled. But um, the fact that people were going to even do that is amazing to me. And the last two nights of our tour were the sixth and the seventh. My birthday was on the seventh. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, somebody mentioned from the stage that it was my birthday or in the audience. And both nights, the audience actually, sorry, there's a little bug. Both nights, the audience like kind of just simultaneously saying happy birthday to me. And I, I was crying, you know, it was so yeah. sweet and wonderful. And I can't imagine, uh, in, in everybody in the band and Kibria and all my friends in that world were just there and we all had a blast and they tied little bottles of Jameson to black balloons. And it was really, really crazy fun. And, and the audience got into it. People brought me cupcakes and weed because I have a bit of a reputation turns out. <laughs> for Jameson and marijuana. But um, so I have a back, I have a stock. I have plenty of stock of those things. People are so sweet and bobbleheads. People bring me bobbleheads, whiskey and weed. Nice. I have a great life. So now you've got um, like a bunker full it, of it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, that was actually an amazing way to have the last couple shows for me mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So you were able to, um, you were able to, you know, once things kind of really hit, you were able to keep working, keep recording, yeah. but then things really, really slowed down for you. And so when you, when you had this involuntary slowdown, what did you do? What did you get into? How did you spend the time? Well, I spent the first couple of weeks kind of a wreck, yeah. <laughs> uh, in all sorts of ways. And just sort of tried to transition, but mostly just hung out around the house. And um, like everybody else, we binge watched uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. And I really love this show called The West Wing. I know that sounds really funny, but this guy named Aaron Sorkin is a great writer and he wrote this show and I love it. And it's like seven seasons of 23 episodes a season. And so (laughs) I watched that a lot and, uh, played my guitar and hung out and I started to look around my house and realize I had the gear around my house to do a live stream. I didn't really know what that meant. I I was at that time, I was just thought I would just do Facebook live with my phone, which I started to think about, but I'm uh, a recording guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a producer of music. And so I had microphones and cables and, audio interface and my brother James helped me figure out how to use my iPhone as a webcam and uh I slowly started figuring it out and <clears throat> after about 8 weeks I had worked it into this thing where I had a smoke machine and a bubble machine and a green screen and the our whole living room had to be transformed once a week and so <laughs> I kind of reached out to a few people to see if they had space where I could do my <laughs> live stream. And I talked to my friends, Jason and Veronica. That's where I am right now. And Jason's a friend of mine from high school. Uh, and he's a video guy and a great photographer and knows about lighting and all that. And so they invited me to come here at first. We were doing it in the garage and mm-hmm. then got warm. We went outside and 
And, uh, but I needed personally a, a place to go to play songs. I don't know why. I guess we're all, as artists, we're just needy and we have to be in front of people or whatever it is. But it's just something I've done my whole life. It's just mm -hmm. I, I, something I, I have to do. I don't. And and so anyway, I started to kind of kind of get go a little bit wacko. It just there was something it was like losing a limb, not playing live. It just somehow that interaction with other people and um, not just the audience, but the people that I play with and stuff. It just it, it was missing and lacking and a huge hole. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. somehow the live stream took the place of that for me for a while. And I, I looking into the camera became um, easier and easier and being able to connect with people personally that way was life-saving for me. It just pulled me out of a really dark place. You know, all of us have had those moments this past year of, of darkness, you know, which is all part of life, but, the that's one of the things that helped me uh kind of be okay i guess yeah, yeah something that kind of kept you going i i understand i mean that's kind of how this this whole series was born you know it's just that that need to stay connected and have a creative outlet uh, you know i i definitely feel you on that um i want to ask you more about the live streams but i want to give a shout out to everybody in the comments, Whitney Shea. She says, Hey, you two, love you both. We love you, Whitney. And congratulations on a great performance singing the national anthem at the Padres game. That's what I heard. She sang it. That's so great. I, I can't wait. I'm going to try and watch the replay later. I hope she's on it. I want to check it out. She I bet she killed it. You know, she did. Did you see it? Yes. Oh, well, you know, I'm sure there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind that she just slayed it. Yes, she did. Cool. Uh, we got Z out here, uh, Jake Nager. Hey, he says, hey, hey Jeff. <laughs> That's so great. Did you say who else? V? Um, uh, Z. Z. Oh, what's I going on? I knew it was I one of those letters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hey, everybody. One of these days he's going to correct me on the pronunciation of his name. I hope he does. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And, yeah. We got Lauren Martin out there. Lauren Lee Martin. Hey. She says she loves her some Jeffy and can't wait to hear oh. his duets album. It's just about to, we just the, came back from mastering version one, you know, came back from mastering yesterday. So mm -hmm. I have to listen to it and do a few tweaks, but I'm pretty excited. It's pretty good. She's saying, isn't it a pity, mm -hmm. uh, that amazing George Harrison song on, on this record. I made, it's a good, this is a good segue. She could, she, she brought up a good thing. I'm going to be putting out this record. It's called under the covers mm -hmm. and it's me and, um, friends doing duets of cover songs that, I've I loved it. and have, have, have oh, influenced me. Uh, yeah, under the covers, right? It's kind of crazy. But um, Lauren Martin and I sang Isn't It a Pity, which is this incredible uh, George Harrison song. And it's just one that really influenced me over the years. And, and she just brought her energy to it and so passionate. Her performance is so passionate. Yeah. But it's a great record. Uh, Rebecca Jade, uh, Astra Kelly, Catherine Beeks. Uh, Sean Rolf and uh, Kibria Sarkeesian. Uh, it's just full of of great fun duets of really uh, Allegra Duchesne. We did uh, 
uh, private Idaho by the B-52s. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really, it, it's a really fun record. Me and Astra Kelly did Stop Dragging My Heart Around, which is, oh, nice. I'm sure you know, Tom Petty and Stevie Nicks. And yeah. Rebecca Jade and I did Heroes, the David Bowie song Heroes. And uh, Veronica May and I did Under Pressure. Oh, my and gosh. she sang Freddie Mercury's part. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I mean, you know, anyway, so next time you, I, we, on volume two, me and you have to do something together. Sure, it's, yeah. It'll be awesome. <laughs> but that comes out on Pacific Records uh, later this year. And I've got a, um, a single and video coming out with them as well of sort of a minor key version of This Land is Your Land that, Ooh, that okay. I did. And it's just sort of, um, the, the, with the video and the song, it, it's kind of this mirror, you know, this land, this is who we are mm-hmm. <laughs> for better or for worse. Here's where we are and we need to fix some things, but we're all in it together kind of a thing. And I don't know, I hope it lands right, but it's, uh, it's just something that happened one afternoon <laughs> at the yeah. studio and, and, uh, and we ended up doing something with it. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that coming out and sharing it with folks. Very cool. I, I can't wait to hear it. Those those are some super solid lineups you've got going on there. <laughs> oh, it's just really, really an amazing record. Plus, uh, you know, the Back to the Garden Band provided a lot of the music on it. And plus other amazing, it's just a huge list of incredible performers. I'm really, I'm really, really lucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, San Diego is a great town. We're just, we're kind of spoiled with the talent that's hanging out around here. It's kind oh, of sure. like, uh, to me, it's, I think it's kind of a little bit of a uh, a hidden gem because I don't think it, you know, our city gets recognized as much as it should for, you know, the great music that comes out of it. Well, it's true. There's a, an amazing history of bands coming out of here going way, way back to like Gary Puckett and the Union Gap and Tom Waits is from here and Jack Timpson who wrote Peaceful Easy Feeling, you know, and George Harrison would hang down here. Ravi Shankar was from around here. Even Al Miola, uh, all these incredible jazz people, Nickel Creek, the bluegrass band, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the Bangles and Rat <laughs> have ties here. There's all the way up to Jewel and Jason Mraz and Steve Poltz and some of the other folks that have become kind of big stars out of here. It's, it's an amazing town. And I think if there wasn't an amazing beach and mountains and all these other things to do in San Diego, that it would probably be a little bit more like Austin where Mm -hmm. the, the music would help drive the economy a little bit. It's, it's that strong and you literally can go into most music venues in San Diego and find some pretty good act, you know, doing something yeah. great that you're going to enjoy. Yeah. You're right. It is, it is a hidden gem. I wish they would unhide it a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever they are. Yeah. Well, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see how the next couple of years go and how things change, you know, mm-hmm. what, who knows what the landscape's going to look like at this point, but. Well, everything's been changing, man. Just the whole music business the past 20 years, how music is sold and distributed, all that stuff. And then this pandemic changed it even more and just trying to keep up with all that and change with the times and mm-hmm. learn everything I can every minute, you know, and just yeah. got to keep it all going. Yeah, it, it will. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to hear like, um, you know, how it changes, how we listen to music, how we find it, how we, you know, are consuming it because, I guess the way I view it is um, up until now, we've 
in large part kind of been spoon fed what we get to listen to from, you know, radio and, and Sirius um, and XM radio and, um, you know, what we see on TV. And then it kind of becomes this um, group influence because, you know, we're, we're together, we're at these events or we're hanging out or doing whatever with our families, listening to music. And that's how, I don't know, you kind of tend to bond with some songs, you know, when you've had some community around it. But now with everything being um, really internet based, I'm really interested to see like, you know, because we're all kind of like on our own to find what we want to listen to, you know? Yeah, which is kind of good and bad. Yeah. I mean, it would be great to have some way to sort of be able to, I mean, there's lots of ways to browse and look for things actually that already exist. I don't, but it's both good and bad that we're kind of on our own. I, I think it's, it's great that corporations, corporate radio isn't um, in charge anymore. Mm -hmm. That was a negative thing because all of a sudden um, in the seventies, you know, they had great FM stations and you would hear Bob Dylan and then you would hear, you know, Led Zeppelin, and then you would hear Bob Marley, and then you would hear, you know, Thelonious Monk or whatever the stoned out FM DJ wanted to play for you that day. And, and, it, and it didn't matter what the genre was, and there weren't consultants, and there weren't, um, you know, mm -hmm. it didn't have to be an alternative station. There weren't charts like that, you know. Yeah. And, um, as soon as they started to to create these different categories and different places to find that it started creating clicks and schools and you know it wasn't it was you couldn't like different kinds of music all of a sudden I, my generation it was like that a lot yeah and um i was kind of i always kind of liked all sorts of different stuff but i'm a musician and you you know we we listen to music for all sorts of different reasons you know that yeah. but um i think now there is this openness yeah. and you really can again sort of find and listen to whatever you want you know yeah so what i like a couple songs by rush screw you it's cool mm -hmm. and you know yeah okay rush is cool i don't really like them at all but you know i'm glad you like them and and that's cool and it's not like it was like in the 80s where people would get you know I don't know why I chose Rush, but they just seem to be a lot of controversy around those guys. There's not a lot of shame around Rush. I'm not sure. No, they're, well, they're a great band, but you know, there there's some people who just can't freaking stand that sound, yeah. and there's others that love it. And I don't know. Anyway, I I there are some of their songs that I really like a lot, but uh -huh. um, I guess my point is that we're we're in this place now where you really can discover anything you want but you have to go out and look for it there's nobody going now and now come down to licorice pizza or I, wow that just shows i just told you i'm a hundred years old but you know it's not so much driven by corporations trying to sell stuff it's mm -hmm. not in the same way anyways and i do feel like now there's there's definitely a little bit more of a level playing field but there's a lot more to wade through and find yeah and uh so it's good. It's positive and it's negative, but we just have to figure out how to navigate and how to, how to make things work for who you are specifically. You don't necessarily have to fit into a mold anymore. You can find your own thing, mm -hmm. find out what works and then figure out a way to get that to people who want 
to hear it or see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I totally agree with you. And I love that. I love how you're kind of framing that. Um, because I, I think it really is encouraging, you know, for artists to come out and, um, you know, find their own place and kind of, there's so much uncharted territory with the way things are, um, being, yeah. things are being distributed and, and, yeah. you know, put out there that, um, I think there's going to be a lot of creative ways that people come up with, um, you know, to get their music heard. And, uh, it, it's, uh, that is, that's encouraging to, you it's know, the wild, wild west, mm -hmm. really anything can happen. If you come up with the idea that changes the world, then there, there, that, I think that idea, the next, you know, the next thing for music distribution has still not been found. I think we're still settling. I think it's still the wild west and nobody knows exactly how it's going to all land. And maybe it never will land. Maybe it'll just keep constantly changing. And that has been the nature of the music business anyways. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't see why that would change. <laughs> it's yeah. probably going to just keep morphing into whatever the next thing is, you know, driven by young people who have different ways of looking at stuff and figure out new groundbreaking ideas that, make it easier for all of us, you know? Right. Right. So true. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, um, I think I am a good example of what you're talking about too, because prior to all of this happening, of course I work in a corporate cover band, right? So constantly I'm learning covers and mm -hmm. the covers that, you know, the people want to hear. And, and so whether or not it's, you know, what I like, it's what I have to learn to make a living. And so I didn't really get much of an opportunity to, to listen just for, you know, pleasure and my own enjoyment for, to stuff. It was usually an assignment. And so I'd really lost touch with what I didn't really, I knew what Spotify was and I knew what Pandora was, but I wasn't using them or listening mm -hmm. to them. I, I was just using what I needed to learn. But when all of this hit, um, I got into Spotify and I, I know there's a lot of controversy around that, but one good thing that came out of it, you know, for me was, um, you know, finding playlists and finding a couple songs that I really liked and artists. And then, you know, once the algorithm catches on and they kind of get a feel for what your vibe is and what you like, mm -hmm. all of these new artists that I've never heard of are popping up. And I'm like, Oh my God, people are making real music out there still. This yeah. is incredible. And I, yeah. I have loved that. Yeah. And that's what I think that's, what's good about Spotify and, and all those Pandora, those, those stations and their algorithm or logarithm or whatever. It's trippy that it has rhythm in the title yeah. to me. Anyway. Um, that's the good part is that it will show you stuff that you haven't heard before and you'll get turned on to that. And that's the whole name of the game. You know, it used to be your friends would do that and they still do kind of, I think as we get older, sometimes that kind of falls away and we end up just finding new music on our own or on the radio or seeing somebody on, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. I, that still happens sometimes to me too. Uh, mm -hmm. Spotify and Pandora have been a great source of finding new things uh, for me and a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And we've done pretty well on Spotify. Uh, one of the bands, my, my high school, just out of high school band called the cry had this incredible resurgence on Spotify. It's still kind of going on. And 
and those guys um we kind of got back together and started making new recordings and put them out again but we had some stuff come out like in 1991 or 1990 and it ended up being in the skate movie that came out like eight years ago and toured the world and we had put the stuff up on spotify as on a whim and people found it and it's just blown up and it's got millions and millions of downloads or streams i mean and um you know like we all get checks and stuff from that and the guys in that band aside from me hadn't been in the music business they'd been doing hardwood floors since that band back in the early 90s and all of a sudden it exploded so i have no I have no complaints about Spotify for, for folks at our level. It's just another way to get the music out there and the music's just sitting there and anybody can listen to it that finds it. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're not, you know, there is money to be made in this business still, I think, but mm-hmm. not like it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> so really uh, you just want to get the music out there and, and hope something comes of it, yeah, you know, in, in those ways and Spotify helps with that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> hey, uh, you mentioned um, Jason Raz a few minutes ago, and um, tell it. Can you talk about the the project that you? Yeah. Done with him. Yeah. 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 This is the second record that I've um, engineered for him, uh, and my studio is up there on his ranch. He has this beautiful studio building that he built, and then me and a buddy moved some gear in there, and we turn it into a studio. And it's right in the middle of avocado, his avocado orchard. And so we've made his last couple of records there, plus a bunch of records that I've made for San Diego artists and beyond mm-hmm. up there since I moved in. It's going on the fourth year now. And uh, he's, you know, Jason's heavily influenced by reggae. You can hear it in, in his albums all through his career. You can just hear that. And so this he decided to make a couple reggae records. And, and this uh, this one, he brought in amazing reggae musicians from all over the world and um, an amazing reggae producer named Michael Goldwasser, uh, who's from the East coast. And we all just got together in this building there at the studio and set up very safely and socially distant. And um, basically everybody played at once and we got this incredible reggae record you you guys are gonna just love it i don't know when it'll be out there there's still we're still kind of recording on it but um it should be wrapped up in the next few weeks as far as tracking and then it has to be mixed and mastered and put out so probably later on sometime but um it's just uh like you said there are still people out there doing real music and this was just a bunch of musicians playing together at the same time (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. just putting it down and Jason was right there doing vocals and putting all the passion into the vocals so that the players had that in their headphones and every take was just right there. And, um, you know, we, we just had a a really, really fun time and and the music will reflect that too. I think you guys are going to be really happy when you hear it. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, I was curious to know how, um, how do artists that come for you know, come to you to produce for them? How do they find you? Is it typically be, you've been referred by someone, or it's someone that you've known for a long time, or do you gen, do you ever have new artists approach you to do work for them? Oh yeah, all the time, all the time. Uh, it happens in all sorts of different ways. Someone will people will see me play, mm-hmm. and uh, 
then hear that somehow that I do production and approach me for that. But usually it's just, it's just a word of mouth thing. I have websites, jeffberkeley.com if you want to look, but it's, it's really just word of mouth and people um, just give me a call or email or find me on Facebook or one of the, you know, Instagram um, and just hit me up and say, Hey, you know, let, I've got these songs. What do you think about recording them? And then yeah. I say, sure. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> That's really it. Thank sure. God. I'd be no good at trying to. Uh, it's so cool that we don't have to do like what furniture stores in the 50s had to do and stuff, you know. Wow. Come on down and make your record at Jeff's House of Records or something, whatever. I don't. I mean, I would be so maybe I'd be good at that. Actually, now that I say it out loud i yeah i sounded kind of good doing that i think I, <laughs> I missed my calling yeah i did I a little scared myself a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god you know what that really that makes me think of something i had wanted to um circle back to the live streaming but you're you're talking kind of talking about your personality a little bit and you know not really wanting to be very salesy in your approach with how you <laughs> produce people and um I just wanted to say that, you know, my experience with you and, you know, getting to experience your performances, um, when I watch you so much about you is your personality and your vibe. And when you're on stage performing, you're like, your comfort level is, uh, everyone feels it. I think you, you come on stage and that comfort level surrounds everyone. It's as if you were a fixture on the stage to begin with. And, um, and I love that. I mean, I think that just to me, you know, I think you're an incredible performer. I love every performance that I've seen you do. And I see that come out in the live streams too. And, you know, how did that go for you? Do, do you think, I mean, are you really enjoying them or, or do you need that live interaction? Will you continue doing them? um oh the live streams i i love doing them yeah um it's really really fun and we're going to continue to do something we we have this rig that we set up first of all before though thank you for saying that it's so uh it's hard to see ourselves right like we don't it's hard necessarily to know what's cool about ourselves as performers we're just up there doing our thing mm -hmm. but i am pretty comfortable on stage and and I think at a certain point, I I decided that it, that I was okay with, you know, making a fool out of myself accidentally on stage, as long as I was just trying to be myself mm -hmm. and and talk to the audience and let them in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's one thing I have going for me, and so and and my songs are so so about my personal feelings and stuff that. I have to, I have to be that way with the audience, but, um, man, I used to be terrified when oh, I was really? young, first starting out. Yeah. I mean, uh, terrified, like I would, I, I don't know how I got past that, but eventually probably it was playing with my dad as a young man. My dad was a preacher and, and did the, the worship service at church and it was kind of a progressive church. So they had kind of a rock band mm -hmm. and I was the drummer, you know, nice. and, 
And um, that was actually really good training because those, those were like, you know, my dad's churches were like speaking in tongues, churches kind of, and it would be like hour and a half long music worship services. Like it would be like a Grateful Dead show where people are out there in the audience tripping out and the band is just jamming. And, but you learn how to work with the audience and follow there and lead them on this thing. And Mm-hmm. It was probably that weekly Sunday thing that I did for, I don't know, a long, long time, maybe five or six, 10 years mm-hmm. of growing up that probably helped me get over that stage fright thing. Because you, once you mess up three or four times in front of an audience, no problem. <laughs> you know, Whatever. <laughs> it, it, it's learning. It's learning. Yeah. It's learning to be comfortable with yeah. that. Um, yeah. and, and realizing it's not necessarily the end of the world. It's also very motivating to not mess up again. Yes, it is. But um, that's, I don't remember exactly how I got over it, but but I, I do feel pretty comfortable up there. And I do try to, singer-songwriters, get when you just are up there by yourself with a guitar, you learn how to, how to make yourself quiet hmm. and say things and and put out, warmth and comfort and draw people in in those ways at first you get up there and you're like hey everybody listen to me come on (laughs) but then you realize if you stop that and just let your thing come out Mm -hmm. that slowly but surely you win those people over and there are some bars where people are going to murmur no matter what but they they quiet down to a quiet murmur and very often now i'll come out it, the louder the room, the quieter the opening song that I do. Because mm. I realize that you don't want to go out there and just set this precedent of volume, precedence right. of volume. As a singer-songwriter, you want to draw them in from the very first note and rip their hearts out and stomp on them right then. Yes. They'll make them laugh later. But So um, I've learned that thing that you're talking about, to go up there and set a, a vibe let mm-hmm. them see who you are right away you know if you can yeah oh, you it's can. not always easy <laughs> you really do and th- yeah you know what i think that's one of the things too that i noticed you really you take your time you take your time and i think um a lot of well i'm really generalizing this but you know you see it fairly often singer songwriters um go up and there is a certain pace they get into and which can be i think maybe a nerves induced pace um, and, and that's, you know, your audience feels that and everything, but, um, but yeah, you're, that's really something to me that stands out about you is that just that comfort level and you really creating an experience for everybody in the audience. And, um, and I think you've pulled it off great on the live streams too. I mean, your live streams are the perfect thing to like, you know, get cozy in the living room or, you know, yeah. sit on the back porch and watch it with everybody. They, they've oh. been great. Thanks. That was the trick of it is just, tr- there was really no trick to it. I, I, I wanted to just um, be able to figure out a way to, to connect with an audience w- through a camera. I'd never done that before. So I set out with that goal and thanks for saying that. I, I hope I, I hope I succeeded at that. People seem to be really, really enjoyed it. And the messages I would get were beautiful. And, and so I think it meant a lot to people. And I'm so thankful for that because it sure meant a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, hey, um, I, before I forget to mention this, we had talked about um, you have a live show coming up on May 1st. What is I happening do. there? Well, around I like to play around town uh, when I'm not on the road or in the studio. I have a band that I put together of some of my favorite players, and uh, we just learned a bunch of my songs. And I reached out to this venue called the Grand Old Barbecue because I really love it. <laughs> It's an, mm -hmm. an amazing outdoor venue that reminds me of Austin, which is one of my most favorite places to play. But it's just an outdoor venue with a great bar and a, some great food. And our music really works there. And so we're playing there on May 1st at 1 o'clock. And they have an afternoon set and an evening set. I'm not even sure who's on after us. Last time, it was Joey and the Mentals, um, Joey Harris's band. But um, I don't know who it is this time, but it'll be someone amazing. So come, come on up there at one o'clock at the grand old barbecue on May 1st. Yeah. Where is that located? It's kind of uh, up towards Alpine right off interstate eight uh -huh. in the East County, hmm. California, Tucky. That sounds like my kind of place. <laughs> yeah. I think you might. Yeah. Have you never been there? No. Oh my I God. You guys, even heard of it. It's really, really cool place. And it's, um, it's a fun venue. You come check it out. Come out on May 1st at one o'clock. We'll Great sing a song. Idea. Or something. Great idea. I might Duh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to also ask you, you know, speaking of bands, um, let's talk about your duo, Berkeley Heart. Um, I had read that you guys had celebrated a 20 year anniversary working together am i am i saying that right a yes it's been 23 now oh my gosh so yeah how how did the two of you meet and connect musically and what's yeah. the what's the journey you know what like we met it we met at java joe's in, in um when he was in poway that that's like right at the time when jewel was a waitress and and all that um was happening up there and we used to do these things called uh, the one shot showcase mm -hmm. and it would be like 25 singer songwriters <laughs> on like a Tuesday night or something. Right. Everybody would do one song each. And I was playing percussion back then. Mostly I, I wrote songs and played gigs, but I wasn't really showing them to people that much. Okay. And, uh, and I would stand on stage with my djembe and, and I'd be, I'd play with everybody and they would come up and it's how I got to know everybody in the scene um, and get to know their music. And Kalman was there one of those nights and he did this song and he didn't need drums on it, which was not, that was kind of rare at the time. Everybody would, would love to have percussion on it. And so I sat down and listened to his song and he did this song called barrel of rain that we still do in Berkeley heart. And I was like, I want to be in a band with that guy. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we started hanging out and we started a band with a couple other people and they sort of, fell away and 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 we decided to make it a duo and we uh never looked back it, we made this rec our first record wreck and so and it got a lot of attention and we won five san diego music awards that year and it was just a really great uh entrance into what became berkeley heart and we now we made 11 albums and we've toured england twice and australia and all over america and it's just been an amazing amazing ride and we we still have a blast and we're still working on songs and got stuff coming out later on in the fall we'll probably have a new record coming out on pacific mm -hmm. records yeah excellent and do you are you um are you finding that your 
getting a lot of inquiries for live gigs now, or is that still quiet for you? Or uh, it's starting just now, starting to to speed back up in the folk world, which is where Berkeley Heart is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it is starting to kind of happen again. We've got uh, one road trip in California with three shows coming up. And then um, later in the year, we're going to be touring out to the Midwest and back. So things are slowly starting to pick back up again. Hopefully it'll stay that way. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I can't wait to see How about you. you. You got, you got stuff starting to happen now too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird. All of a sudden things just kind of, uh, you know, got busy this week. I've had, or I have six gigs this week and, and which is Whoa. totally just unheard of, you know, within. Well, the that's year, so great though. Congratulations. Yeah, I, I was super excited about it and I get, I'll get to be with the full band on, on Saturday. So definitely looking forward to that, but I don't wow. know. I think it's kind of, uh, lit my fire a little bit again. Sure. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling that excitement that things are going to start coming back around. But you're like, you mentioned though, before I, I don't want it to be um, premature, you know, right. I, I don't totally. want to get so excited that we start, you know, acting like fools and, you know, ruin what progress we've made already. So, um, you know, definitely still keeping it way, way safe and being very selective with, you know, what, what the deal is, but these, these gigs that I'm involved in are all, you know, safe and fun. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you're getting back out there though. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing it from a lot of people too. Yeah. It's slowly starting to happen. Yeah. It's really encouraging. Yeah. Um, Before I let you go, I want to ask a question that um, I've asked a couple of people on here and I just, I have this feeling that you're going to have a great answer, but no pressure. (laughs) Um, My first interview was with um rebecca jade she's a dear friend and she said something at the beginning that um has stuck with me you know this entire year and um she had said you know wouldn't it be a shame if we all came out on the other side of this unchanged you know or things weren't different um can you think of how maybe you have changed permanently or uh shifted your mindset entirely about something or you know what what has what has this pandemic moved for you well aside from a bunch of personal stuff that just you know i think the pandemic forced us to kind of reevaluate a lot of things personally and just things you didn't have time to figure out about yourself you started to figure out or maybe did figure out you know so aside from those things which could take hours and hours of me talking about i think just learning how to be still was i mean it was just huge for me i i don't know how to do that i'm really really bad at that Mm -hmm. and so i had to i just had to get better at that and learning how to pay attention to, you know, start taking better good care of myself too, just that kind of thing. I think that happened for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the pandemic forced us to, to kind of figure that stuff out. And so that happened a lot for me. Um, it gave me time to work on my songs more. I haven't been able to work on songwriting because my, you know, your, um, 
your bandwidth, your artistic bandwidth gets used up sometimes when you're recording records for people. And by the time you get home, you know, like sitting down and watching a dumb TV show or something seems like really, really fun rather than like going out for music. So um, being able to slow down in those ways and pay a little more attention to my own art was really, really fun, but I sure do miss playing (laughs) more. And I'm really glad to be making records for people. It's saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm really with you on that wavelength too. I think um, I am like you very uncomfortable with silence or having to be still and unproductive. It's just a space that I don't thrive well in. Uh, But this, you know, for me, it, because I had to slow down so much, I think getting more present with my kids and, you know, spending so much more time catching up on all the things that I have missed being gone, you know, working and um, just actually finding things that, you know, I just enjoy doing that are not work related or music related at all has been amazing. So when this week came up with all of these gigs, I'm extremely grateful for them. I'm really enjoying it. But it did occur to me, though, that when the schedule hit like that, um, you know, it caused my kids anxiety and they were, you know, upset with me leaving. And and um, so I've been thinking a lot about it this week. Like how how can we preserve? Yeah. How do you preserve that balance? How do you maintain that um, without just kind of totally getting sucked into the pace again? Yeah, those boundaries are important. And I I completely overlooked them my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning. I learned this year to that, that it's okay to set those boundaries. And that fear of missing out thing, that's real. Yes. <laughs> and we all, hasn't it been nice to not have that feeling this whole year that everybody else is out there gigging, but you're not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's been the best. Yes. I hate that feeling. And I'm going to try and not have that feeling anymore. I'm going to try and be stoked that people are out there gigging and I'm home. I'm I'm not, you know, I love gigging and I, I want to, I will love every second of every gig I ever play, but it's also, you know, there's so, there has to be balance. There has to be balance and it's not all about gigging and the next gig and the next record and all that. And that's been a huge thing for me. That's part of taking better care of myself, but not only that, just taking better care of the people that I love. You know, and like you said, it causes them anxiety too when we've got eight shows in seven days. You know, it's not as much as I thrive on that. I love the feeling of racing from the airport to the sound check barely in time. I love it. I love it. I'm addicted to that. But Mm -hmm. the people in our lives aren't addicted to that. So you have to figure out ways of, of being able to do both. And so I know how you feel. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in an awkward space right now. And I think maybe that's going to be, that's going to be the, the corner to turn, you know, at this point is like, okay, so real life is kind of opening back up again. You know, how, how am I going to step into this as a changed person, you know, maybe a better version of myself and, you know, what boundaries am I going to put up and, you know, what non-negotiables will I have, uh, you know, that just didn't it's a unique opportunity. It's that? a really, it's a unique opportunity yes. to actually reset a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, as I'm looking forward, I'm going to start, I just want to lean more into the things that bring me and the people around me joy. Yeah. 
And some of that's going to be music and some of it's not, you know what I mean? But I think that's the thing that I've learned throughout this pandemic is to just uh, pay attention to the right stuff. And I'm also at an age where that stuff starts to occur to, to, to occur to you, I think a little bit more. I don't know why, but the more time, the more room we get over our shoulders, you know, mm-hmm. and the more experience we get kind of, the more you start to see patterns emerge in your own in your own existence and and you can kind of start to get rid of the bad patterns and and lean into the ones that are good patterns and i think that's where i'm at and and that that's what i'm looking forward to in the future is evening out some of that stuff yeah definitely yeah maybe as a musical community we all have to continuously remind each other of that and and uh and support it you know in the ways that we you know when we're um, asking people to be on gigs or start projects and you know maybe we'll have a new lens that we look through when somebody mm-hmm. says no or <laughs> we might or we might accept and receive no a little bit more graciously for sure for sure i think just naturally that's going to happen yeah. and it's not we're not going to have to think about it you know both yeah. people like me learning how to say no <laughs> and then other people's learning people learning how to accept a no i can't fit this record in this month because i'm doing three others right now but if you can wait you know until two months from now then I'll, you'll have all my attention like mm-hmm. up until now i've just been saying yes 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 to everything and maybe i can figure out a way to to change it so that everybody is getting more attention you know and mm-hmm. getting getting what they need including me so I'm, I'm looking forward to all that stuff and i can't wait to keep i can't wait till the next record you know what i mean i just have a blast doing it and it's so much fun to help artists figure out where they're headed and and make it make it happen so yeah the future is exciting yeah. Well, you, you're putting great work into the world. So I'm excited yeah, for everything you. that you continue to do. Um, I think it's time for back to the garden to do another show and invite sure. to be on it again. <laughs> yeah. It's a magical experience with them every it time. Is. That band, it's almost, it's almost unreal. Yeah. Like you're, I swear you're just, you can't believe how good they are because it's not just technically They've got so much soul, you know, so every, much. every player in that band just has so much soul. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just, um, I really love it. And, and, uh, and I can't wait myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great experience. In the meantime, let's all meet up May 1st for your gig. That's right. Tell me, tell me the location again. It's called the grand old barbecue and it's just up off highway eight up towards Alpine. Okay. And it's a big outdoor venue with great food and you can bring kids it's all ages they've got uh, like this really big grass area where kids hang out and play and stuff and um just call up there if you want to know the address i don't know it off the top of my head but that's mm-hmm. may 1st at one o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. and uh, i just call it call it jeff berkeley and his band <laughs> but it's probably we're probably going to come up with a better name i just don't know what it is okay. Maybe that's what this this whole gig could be about is people can write down on denominations of cash yes, your favorite bills. name <laughs> that you'd like to and we'll just choose the one that's on the biggest bill. Yeah. Because we're just for sale. How about Jeff Berkeley and the Qualcomm band? Yeah. <laughs> we could sell naming rights for like a million dollars or so. 
and we'll call the band what you know jeff berkeley and the petco band yes <laughs> i think that would work really really well jeff berkeley and jack in the box band yeah. all of it it's all ready to go just your name here also it. go to spotify and uh pandora and my record um i have a solo album called whorehouse hot sauce and souvenirs love it <laughs> and i'd love for you guys to go check it out it's a really fun record all the berkeley heart records are up there too and berkeleyheart.com jeffberkeley.com come out to the show we need you yeah. Great. I put your, I put your um, social links in the comments so everybody can check those out. Oh, great. Um, I just, I love you. I loved our conversation tonight and I just truly appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's wonderful to see you. And, you know, I know oh. I'll feel very happy for the rest of the night having had. Oh, I feel the same way. And I love you too. And thank you so much for having me and keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, definitely shout out to everybody who joined us tonight uh, that I didn't get to mention yet. Sarah Dodson. Hey, Sarah. And uh, Tim Moore, Wayne Riker. He says, oh, hey, Jeff, when's our next limo ride? Oh, my God. I remember that night, kind of. <laughs> that was what Catherine Beeks used to put on. Um, I don't even remember what it was called, but basically she had a limo company and it was one of those big like SUV limos mm -hmm. and they drove us around from bar to bar on El Cajon Boulevard. Nice. <laughs> like the 10th stop in. I don't know what my name is or anything, but uh, it was really fun. And hi, Wayne. It was, I do remember that you were there early in the evening. I remember some things yeah. and then things get a little foggy. <laughs>